Part One, Chapter Thirteen of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Mon cher Boris said the Princess Anna Mikhailovna to her son, as the Countess Rostova's carriage in which they were riding rolled along the straw-covered street and entered the wide court of Count Kirill Vladimirovitch Buzakoy's residence. Mon cher Boris, said the mother, stretching out her hand from under her old mantle and laying it on her son's with a timid and affectionate gesture. Be amiable and considerate. Count Kirill Vladimirovitch is your godfather, and your prospects depend upon him. Remember this, mon cher. Be as nice as you can be. If I knew that anything would come from this except humiliation, replied the son coldly, but I have given you my promise, and I do it for your sake. Though it was a respectable carriage that drove up to the steps, the Swiss, noticing the lady's well-worn mantle, looked askance at mother and son, who without sending the footman to announce them had walked straight into the mere-lined vestibule between two rows of statues standing in niches, and asked them who they wished to see, the young princesses or the count, and when they said the count, he told them that his excellency was worse and could not receive any one to-day. Then let us go, said the son in French. Mon ami, exclaimed the mother, in a supplicating voice, again laying her hand on his arm, as though her touch had the effect of calming or encouraging him. Boris said no more, but without removing his cloak, looked dubiously at the mother. My dear, said the princess, in a wheedling tone, turning to the Swiss, I know that Count Kirill Vladimirovitch is very ill. That is why I came. I am a relative of his. I do not wish to disturb him, my dear. I only wanted to know. See Prince Vasily Sergeyevich. I understand that he is here. Be so good as to announce us. The Swiss gruffly pulled the bell cord and turned away. Princess Dubetskaya for Prince Vasily Sergeyevich he called to the footman in small clothes, pumps, and dress coat, who ran to the head of the stairs and looked over from above. The princess straightened the folds of her dyed silk dress, glanced at the massive Venetian mirror on the wall, and firmly mounted the carpeted staircase in her old worn shoes. Mon cher, vous me va promis, said she, turning round to her son and encouraging him with a touch of her hand. The young man, dropping his eyes, silently followed her. They went into a hall which led into the suite of rooms occupied by Prince Vasily. Just as the mother and son started to walk through this room, and were about to ask the way of an elderly footman, who had sprung to his feet on their approach, the bronze doorknob of one of the heavy doors turned, and Prince Vasily himself, dressed in a velvet fur-trimmed coat with a single star, as though he were at home, came in escorting a handsome black-bearded man. This man was the celebrated Petersburg doctor Lorraine. C'est un positif, the prince was saying. Mon prince, errare humanum est, mais, replied the doctor, who swallowed his R's and spoke the Latin words to air is human with a strong French accent. Sebia, Sebia. Perceiving Anna Mikhailovna and her son, Prince Vasily dismissed the doctor with a bow, and advanced in silence and with an inquiring look toward them. 
The son noticed that his mother's eyes suddenly took on an expression of deep concern and grief, and he laughed in his sleeve. Under what melancholy circumstances we meet again, prince. Well, how is our dear invalid? said she, as though she did not notice the cold, insulting glance fastened upon her. Prince Vasily looked questioningly at her, and then at Boris, as though he were surprised to see them there. Boris bowed civilly. Prince Vasily, entirely ignoring it, replied to Anna Mikhailovna's question by a significant motion of his head and lips, giving her to understand that there was very slim hope for the sick man. "'Is it possible?' cried Anna Mikhailovna. "'Ah, oh, this is terrible, fearful to think.' "'This is my son,' she added, pointing to Boris. "'He was anxious to thank you in person.' Boris again bowed politely. "'Be assured, Prince, that a mother's heart will never forget what you have done for us.' "'I am glad if I have been able to be of service to you, my dear Anna Mikhailovna,' said Prince Vasily, adjusting his frill and manifesting both in tone and manner here in Moscow before Anna Mikhailovna, whom he had put under deep obligation, a far more consequential air than at Petersburg at Annette Scherer's reception. "'Do your best to serve with credit and prove yourself deserving,' he added, turning to Boris. "'I am glad. Are you here on leave of absence?' he asked in an apathetic tone. "'I am waiting for orders, Your Excellency, before setting out for my new position,' replied Boris, manifesting not the slightest resentment of the prince's peremptory tone, nor any inclination to pursue the conversation, but bearing himself with such dignity and deference that the prince gave him a scrutinizing glance. "'Do you live with your mother?' "'I live at the Countess Rostova's,' said Boris, again taking pains to add, "'Your Excellency.' "'It is that Ilya Rostov, who married Nathalie Shashina,' said Anna Mikhailovna. "'I know, I know,' returned Prince Vasily, in his monotonous voice. I could never understand how Nathalia made up her mind to marry that unlicked bear, a perfectly stupid and absurd creature, and a gambler besides, they say. Mais très brais mon prince, remarked Anna Mikhailovna, smiling with a touching smile, as though she too knew very well that Count Rostov deserved such an opinion of him, but did her best to say a good word for the poor old man. What do the doctors say? asked the princess, after a short silence, and again allowing an expression of deep grief to settle upon her careworn face. "'Very little hope,' said the prince. "'I wanted so much to thank my uncle once more, for all his kindnesses to me and Boris. He's his godson,' she added in French, in such a tone as though this piece of information must be highly delightful to the prince. Prince Vasily sat pondering and knitting his brows. Anna Mikhailovna realized that he was apprehensive— lest she were a rival for the Count's inheritance. She hastened to reassure him. "'If it were not for my true love and devotion to my uncle,' said she, uttering the words, my uncle, with remarkable effrontery and unconcern. "'I know his noble, straightforward character, but, you see, he has only the young princesses with him. They are both so inexperienced.' She inclined her head and added in a whisper, "'Has he yet fulfilled the last duty, Prince?' How precious are these last moments! Things couldn't be worse. He should be prepared at once, if he is so ill. We women, Prince, she smiled with self-importance, 
always understand how to put these things. It's indispensable that I should see him, however hard it may be for me. But then, I am accustomed to sorrow. The prince evidently knew only too well, just as he had known at Annette Scherer's, that he would have no little difficulty in getting rid of Anna Mikhailovna. This interview might be injurious to him, Cher Anna Mikhailovna. Better wait till evening. The doctors have been expecting a crisis. But it is impossible to wait, prince, at such moments. Pensez, il y avait du salut de son homme. Ah, c'est terrible. Les devoirs d'un chrétien. A door opened, and from an inner chamber appeared one of the count's nieces, a young lady with a sour, cold face, and with a waist disproportionately long for her stature. Prince Vasily went toward her. Well, how is he? Just about the same. But what could you expect? This noise, said the princess, staring at Anna Mikhailovna as though she were a stranger. Ah, oh, cher, I did not recognize you, exclaimed Anna Mikhailovna, with a beaming smile, and ambling lightly forward toward the count's niece. I have just come, and I am at your service to help you take care of my uncle. I can imagine how much you have suffered, she added, still in French, and sympathetically turning up her eyes. The count's niece made no reply, nor did she even smile, but immediately left the room. Anna Mikhailovna took off her gloves, and established herself in an armchair, as though ready to endure a siege, and motioned to the prince to sit down near her. Boris, she said to her son, with a smile, I am going to see the count, my uncle. In the meantime, mon ami, you go and find Pierre, and don't forget to give him the invitation from the Rostovs. They asked him to dinner. I think very likely he may not wish to come, she suggested, turning to the prince. On the contrary, returned the prince, evidently very much annoyed. I should be very glad to have him taken off my hands. He stays in his own room. The count has not asked for him once. He shrugged his shoulders. A footman conducted the young man downstairs, and then up, by another flight, to Pierre's quarters. End of chapter 13